Hello, welcome to Sonic Talk episode 417, recording today on Wednesday, the 9th of September 2015. Uh, I want to say thank you very much to our sponsors, of course, Isotope, who will be hearing from a competition, a competition for them slightly later on, uh, where we will be mixing things up a little bit and offering a new prize. We'll also be announcing the winner of last week's show, so do stay tuned for that. Also want to say thank you to our chat room. Hello, you all are in there. Fulsome chat room, I think I will say today, again, just because I can. Uh, I want to say thanks to Dan for sorting out the poorly server. So uh, there we all go. Thank you very much. Right, let's get straight into it because uh, we've got a new, well, not a new guest, a guest we haven't seen for quite some time. We'll just go straight over to Mr. Non-Eric from MusoTalk.de, the legendary MusoTalk.de. How are you then, Mr. I'm e? fine. Excellent. You're there ensconced in your studio um, doing your thing. Have you been uh, doing a lot of stuff filming? I've seen a few things oh, on your yeah, site. Yeah. Obviously, uh, things have been quite busy after a long summer break. Uh, but uh, we got some more gear coming, you know, for review. We got this one here. Ah, uh, yeah. Will this actually transform my logic into an MPC is the big question. I wonder. And then, we, and then uh, yeah, lots of gear to check out. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll see your MPC, your Akai, and I will raise you a... Uh, a reface CS. Wow. Which actually is much better sounding than I originally gave it credit for. Very musical, I have to say. So I'm really looking forward to reviewing that. If you didn't see, we've already put up the Yamaha Reface DX, which I published today. Um, so you can check that out. Um, it was also quite impressed with it you know a little bit on the expensive side as they all are a little bit but uh, i think the street price has dropped down a bit and uh, the mini keys yes i have very small hands but still if my hands were ever even fatter my fingers were they wouldn't fit between the, the keys the black keys you know which is that's too small for mini keys i think so that's just a shame but you can adapt anyway um let's also say hello to mr richard hilton over there in uh, sunny connecticut where he is a uh, keyboard player for chic uh, tours all over the place during the summer perhaps things have slowed down a little bit now and he's also uh, no <laughs> and he's also studio guy for Niall rogers the legendary Niall rogers so you're you're legend the legendary rich hilton how are you rich <laughs> I'm not legendary, but I'm fine. Thank oh, you. Oh, I would disagree. I would disagree. Great to have you. I uh, hope you've had a good week. How's things been going? Uh, very well. I've been quite busy lately. Um, hacking, you know, slicing and dicing and mixing and uh, drum replacing. I've had my first drum replacement experience this week. Uh, that was exciting and went very well, I must say. And, you replacing uh, the drums or the drums you played replaced? No, the drums that were recorded had... Uh, a tom channel that was completely and utterly distorted and useless and and not you and the tom plays a considerable role in his performance across the two hours of the show ah. so it was decided by me that i must put a tom there and uh what exists to do that and i looked into that and uh, came up with some solutions and uh ended up replacing all the toms just for consistency and it sounded great but while we're on the subject of new toys, you may notice next to me a like, long new keyboard that I have recently procured at a very modest price uh, called an Akai MPK-88, which is a weighted action MIDI controller. Nice. With pads and faders and knobs, and uh, I'm very pleased. I'm glad you're pleased. Is it got any of the, uh, it's just the straight controller pads and faders. It doesn't have, the MPK doesn't have any of the CV stuff or the sequencing or the arpeggiator stuff, does it? Or is it mostly? It does have arpeggiation. Ah. 
Smashing. Um, it does have a sequencer and it does not send out anything like control voltages, but um, it feels really good to play. It'll run the transport. It's, uh, as usual with most things, not as well integrated with Pro Tools as I would like, um, but it's fine. And if I really wanted to spend my life uh, mapping things, I probably could. But <laughs> it, will run, it will run the transport and do various things I needed to do right out of the box. And uh, I'm very happy. Cool. It, it showed up. Uh, it was one of these magical moments where I'm talking to somebody and he says, you know, I've got one of these. I used it once. And, I, uh, and he offers me a really good deal on it. I was like, okay. Excellent. Well, from you, considering you're a keyboard player, that's good. So the action is obviously uh, passes the yeah. Rich Hilton test. Glad to hear it. I like. It. Yeah, it's nice. And finally, we must have we have Mr. Gaz Williams, who we've seen a bit of recently because uh, you may not know, but yesterday we filmed uh, Launchpad Pro, and we had him here talking about the Nectar Panorama P4 last week. Gaz Williams, technology, music technologist, bass player, all of those things. How are you? I'm very good. Uh, am I loud enough? People in the chat room were wondering. Uh, yes. Can you hear me okay? I yeah, think it depends good. on how your um, how your mic goes because yet for some you, you upgraded your Skype and it doesn't talk to your Apogee at the moment. So, so I'm not sure why that is. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Very good. Thank you very much. Had an incredibly busy summer um, and have gone into so many projects now. So it's. Great. I mean, it's really great to be busy, but it is chuck a block for me at the moment. Um, but that's that's the only way I that's the only way I roll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like to hear it. Good stuff. Well, um, this week, uh, of course, uh, there are a few things that are sort of happening today, aren't there? That haven't actually officially happened yet. So we'll start with something that I found the other day, just for just for the hell of it, because I just uh, I really like this, and this is this this is something that uh, I found on the. Um, on the Facebook page of uh, Novation, or, or Focusrite, I think it was, and this is one of those kind of Google Maps kind of uh, um, via, I, I guess it's, I don't know what they call them. It's like the, like you have a street view, but inside. This is the the big room at Real World, which is a pretty impressive space, I think you'll agree. Very strange to work in, because you can imagine that huge space, uh, when you speak, you would expect it to be reverberant and cavernous. <coughs> But indeed, it is not. But uh, what a great... Con Let's just have a look at the console. Let's, uh, I think that's an SSL uh, G, if I remember correctly. And I think they used to have a little bit more stretch. I think... No, maybe not. Oh, they've got a bit of uh, Neve in there as well. And I think they use it... I don't know who's in this room, but I, I had a sneak over at the keyboards uh, and I found uh, there's a Philips Philicordia. Hold on, let's get over here. I think that's a Philips Philicordia. You're an OP1, which you'll be pleased to see there, Gaz. And that looks like an old, uh, an early, is that a Kawhi Celeste or a Korg Celeste? I can't quite see from there. And um, what's that? That's a, a Roland something or other, uh, ARP, I can't read it, ARP Axe and a Gen SX-1000. So you can have, this is a great idea. I mean, that there is no point to it. It's not like somebody's launched a new feature or anything. And I'm just wondering whether or not it would uh, entice <coughs> you to uh, to visit. Have you ever been there, Mr. Non-Eric? Have you ever been to Real World? I'm not sure if you've been over this part of the world and seen that studio been over to that part of the world, yes. Yes. <laughs> but not to the studio. And uh, for me, it's a kind of, it's like the good old days, the good old studio vibe, the the big studio, the big console. It's It seems so vastly outdated and vastly in economical and totally, I don't know, who's going to, you know, who do you rent this out to? 
is this still a business? Is it still a business? Do you know? Uh, yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, Realwood is still going. I mean, they've they've reconfigured somewhat because when it first started, when I first started going out there, there were one, two, three, four rooms, main rooms. I think, th- and they've that's been shrunken down now. There's so is, there's there's a lot less. They've used the real estate for businesses that are renting it by the month. You know, so as is understandable. It's such a shame because that whole place was purposely um, designed. I think it, I can't remember who did it now. It was uh, architects and it, you know, it was all very exciting. Um, I remember when going to the opening and it is, it is a beautiful space. So I do hope it's, it still uh, works. It's like a feedback from the good old days when people were actually making money from making music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in well, a way, because, cause this seems, you know, it's, I can't <laughs> see anybody who could a- afford <laughs> You know, from scratch to start a studio complex like this and make money out of it. Yeah, it's tricky, this, isn't it? Yeah. I, I Rich, you were coming in there. An artist could do it. I Some artists. So, yeah. Prince has got one. Gabriel's got one. A few of those guys have them. <coughs> or consider yeah, but more a, modest. a commercial entity, that would be a problem right. to, to uh, run a stuff. These days, for I, sure. Uh, have you been over there, Gaz? I, know, I mean, there's lots of those rehearsal facilities and stuff there. Have you worked in that big room before? I've not worked in the big room. I've been in there. Uh, it's a, such a great place. I've worked at Real World a few times. Um, it's uh, it's a, such a great place. And I mean, it's a beautiful part of the world as well. So all of the surrounding countryside is gorgeous. In fact, you can just about glimpse it, can't you, on the train? Um, oh, yeah, you can, yeah. You can just about so, hear the train as well as it goes past. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when, next time you're making that journey, it's like when you're – well, it's in – a place called Box in Wiltshire. Uh, so it's what? What would you say? Maybe about fifteen minutes before Bath on the train, perhaps. Uh, yeah, something like that. And you kind of keep your eyes open for it, and you will see it very briefly. So it's quite fun to spot. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> you know, to be fair, real world and its connectivity to WOMAD and all the various other things that <clears throat> Peter Gabriel Excuse has me. been behind. You know, it is such an institution and it's got such a phenomenal, phenomenal contribution to to the world of music. In fact, I think the whole organisation, to be fair, I mentioned the world of music. Um, the whole concept of world music is so inextricably linked with uh, um, <clears throat> with with the, with the whole WOMAD scene. And as such, such a lot of great international artists have come over and recorded in real world and i and i feel really proud that people coming over there and working in such a great place yeah. is such an inspiring place to be and uh and i was mentioning at the top of the show king crimson who i went to see last week they did their 94 album there at real world just incidentally just to drop in another king crimson reference <laughs> um uh-huh. <laughs> but uh but just yeah that that whole kind of <clears throat> the way that they uh have uh taken so many great international artists that are kind of in this world music thing and recorded them released them through the real world label with very cool artwork not sort of um pandering to some sort of uh oxfam style packaging you know really well presented I just think it's brilliant. I think it's, uh, you know, so it's 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 glorious to think that they're still in business, really, in these tough times. Yeah, no, absolutely. Hans, are there any, um, I know because Hansa went in Berlin, didn't it? And that was a, a similarly kind of opulent uh, recording environment. 
Is there anything left in uh, in Berlin like this? Uh, well, Hansa is still there, but uh, last time I was there about a year ago, it was basically. I think they 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 changed one of their studio rooms into an office room, so that already says a lot. And uh, they haven't used the mixer for quite some time. But I, I think one uh, in in a in a very strange way, um, this topic the real world topic and the paradise ones remote collaboration kind of so, sort of is, I would like to tie that a little bit these two themes because when I look at real world I get, I get the old envy of the old I think would say the smell of a real studio you know being <laughs> together with a couple of people one guy sitting in the back reading a porn mag there's another guy <laughs> rehearsing his he rehearsing his vocals you know there's this sort of we are together in the studio this sort of vibe this feeling this sort of you know it's lacking these days and i wonder if a lot of young producers and young musicians maybe never ever had that feeling you know of sitting together in a studio uh, uh producing music together uh, maybe they're all doing it like the lally and jorgensen you know doing it remotely uh, offline collaboration and um uh, i think it's a, it's an interesting thought to to see not only that uh, big studios are dying in terms of a a commercial uh, operation, but also as a, as a as a way to make music together with other people. And I think we sort of kind of lost that a little bit. Yeah, no, I'd agree. Yeah. We, we talked about that a little bit last week, didn't we? And the, the notion that, oh, okay. uh, yeah. well, no, I mean, just the, 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 the lack of virtuosity because there's less. But I mean, that's a very good point about this. I mean, I suppose the thing about this, the, the, there were the guys, there guys in Utrecht at Studio Stecker, Kytopia, uh, uh, which are kind of doing something and it seems to be the way forward is more to have a collective. In fact, at Real World, there they used to be, and there may, may still be, smaller, smaller rooms, which are like production rooms, which are more like kind of home studio setups that you've got access to the infrastructure of the Real World. And that's what the way many studios are going. But even those now, like you say, a lot of them are kind of turning those rooms into offices and renting them to estate agents or whoever or creative design companies. And it, it's just it's, it is a sad, sad change. But, you know, I guess property being what it is and, you know, the amount of money it costs to run this stuff. But it does. It also it, it, it kind of indicates this sort of loss of value of music, which I know we've gone on about lots of times. We're a loss won't. of value of collaboration in a way, because everybody now thinks and the industry is, you know, enforcing this in a big way is oh you can do it all yourself you know you get your virtual drummer your virtual guitarist and whatever and you just stick it together and put a couple of plackets on top and off you go and um, kind of losing that interaction and even when when we uh, hear about the remote collaboration that you posted on sonic state when you read the text you find out that it's not really an interaction it's like one person supplies the raw material for another person who does his thing on his own, and they both are basically doing their thing on their own with the material of the other person. But there is no sort of direct interaction like you would have in the studio if you're sitting opposite to each other. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what you were talking. This was actually uh, going to be a topic at some point, and th- well, I think it might have been made in the show notes. This is the. Uh, Lally and Jorgensen, nine releases and they've never met. And the whole thing is done remotely, as you say. And that kind of ties in nicely. Uh, this is Paradise Once, which I think was just out at uh, mid of August. Um, and it's an interesting collaboration. But I don't know if you can tell, you know, if there's a difference between musical collaborations where there's no uh, actual presence between people. You, there's, there, you don't get this kind of energy that 
that doesn't happen with one person it happens with more than one person i don't know if that's yeah. uh, perhaps romanticizing it a little bit i don't know i guess i suspect you might agree to that oh i'll turn you off there you go i was having a, i was having a conversation about this the other day with somebody uh just about the fact that in my studio i've got all this fantastic kit and all this facilities to make music but you know i, I just i thrive on collaboration direct collaboration and all that stuff and i i, I agree completely with with hands and the the thing about the working together is such a lovely thing and with all the kit that i've got i trade it all in really for just to have a mm-hmm another person there do you know what i mean it's uh... <laughs> and it's, it's also yeah and guess it's don't you agree it's also so much quicker i was contemplating mm-hmm. writing a couple of songs recently and then i thought oh it would be so much easier to do it the old way just go to the rehearsal room with your drummer or with another yeah. guy and we just improvise a couple of tracks and we go out you know after two or three hours we've got two or three really great ideas i'm sure while i would be sort of oh jamming at home and playing i think it's it's it can be really efficient you know to, to i mean there must be 50 percent of the great bands out there they probably improvise their tracks in the studio or on the rehearsal room that's right i mean i Rich, you must uh, see this a lot i mean because i know I, presumably a lot of your work is solo but it's sort of after the collaborative event that has happened i mean i'm, I'm making a, a guess and an assumption here i might uh, tell me if i'm right or wrong but uh, it, it's definitely a, a good point well, it, yes, uh, this used to be a social business, and I miss that terribly. And as Hans and uh, Gaz have said, it's there are tremendous advantages to having it be a social business. And uh, Hans's characterization of those kinds of pieces where they get passed around from contributor to contributor, but there's no one driving focus to the whole thing, and it just becomes this sort of mishmash of people's ideas <laughs> that get featured one at a time, but in no particular order and with no specific structure. And it's uh, – I miss it. It's, there's nothing quite like sitting in a room full of people and playing music. Absolutely. That's very true. Well, Hans, actually, that brings me nicely because I noticed that you did, I mean, we did talk about Logic 10 release, 10.2 release, but I noticed that you did a kind of a check up on it and it's got integration with Gobbler. But I thought before we got into that whole notion of sharing, you know, sharing and enabling this collaborative remote working, what did you find? Um, was there anything you particularly found in the in Logic that kind of uh, you wanted to flag up? No. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Well, you see, I'm not so terribly keen on the alchemy synthesizer because it's lots of bread and butter sounds. And then I thought it was CPU heavy, but I need to check it again because uh, comment, uh, I've seen some comments on my video where people said, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, you get 60% CPU usage, no matter how many voices you use of alchemy. It could be a bug. But I thought that for 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 the, the the sounds that I was getting, it was eating up too much of my my uh, horsepower of my uh, computer. Whereas I could probably play ten or a hundred thousand voices of the EX twenty four sampler. I could merely play six or seven voices on on the Alchemy. So I thought, yeah, it's great. I mean, Logic is becoming like this real bloated sort of kind of huge software package with everything in there but none of the stuff is particularly uh special or great but 
at the same time, it's less than, and I think in Germany it's around two hundred euro. Yeah, it's one hundred and forty-nine bucks, I think. Uh, one hundred and forty-nine quid. Uh, I did see. I was watching a little uh, a roundup of it, and the non-destructive editing, which seems like a major thing, like being able to reverse a region without having to save the file and then do something to it is finally here there was another couple of other things and also the integration with um gobbler 2.0 which brings us on to this sort of notion of um this cloud collaboration and what have you i mean the thing is the thing about it that's quite interesting to me is uh, obviously gobbler is a paid service but if you buy logic and you access it that way you get free unlimited storage and backup and what have you oh gaz is in there you everybody can get a free gobbler 2.0 account now with unlimited cloud storage now this is a bit of a wow hang on a minute what's the business model there to give free unlimited cloud storage now <laughs> uh it, they can release your track before you can <laughs> no <laughs> very good <laughs> ah, but, check the small you know, print yeah um the support is nowhere near as wide as it was for gobbler one but in the new 10.2 update to logic there is a you know gobbler is now in the file menu the sort of save to gobbler now yeah. the gobbler two idea is very much based around collaborative collaborative uh, collaborative thing and what happens in gobbler two is uh, you create a thing called a workspace then that workspace you would then uh, uh, you know well I guess previous to 10.2, you would just simply drag your logic project file. That's the only file that you needed to drag into it. And then it would grab all the uh, reference files and upload it. And then you then share that workspace with whoever your collaborators were. And then they would then be able to download it. And then if they save their version of it, that version file goes up and only the relative audio that's changed gets resynchronized. But I mean, they're using this word versioning, which I'd never heard before. <laughs> uh, is that a proper official word? Yeah, no. If you, if you, if, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if you, if yes, you do, if you do any code collaboration, the subversion and versioning, and get there's various different repositories that allow you to do that. And I'm guessing mm. they must be used something like that as a back end. Yeah. But I mean, certainly for any logic users out there grab a gobbler account while they're free i mean i'm not sure how long that that's going to last for but i mean you know free cloud storage now you see i've been using it to solve a problem uh where i've been needing to transfer gigantic video files i just been using the gobbler account for it just saving <laughs> it up there and sharing it big and i did it with a 28 gig file the other day so this has been a real issue for me you know normally if you use things like WeTransfer.com or other Dropbox, there's file limit sizes, yeah. you know, like maybe two gigabytes. I, did, I shared a 28 gig file with this free account. So, I mean, I think useful you know, stuff. Grab it while it's available. I know, Rich, I know you've been quite uh, skeptical about the notion of kind of cloud storage and cloud collaboration in the past, just from a security aspect. Um, I have. Yeah, no, I'm sure I've... I've been this stuff for like five years. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, maybe it's five years since I asked you the question. <laughs> what do you and use? Including Gobbler, I use a lot. I use Gobbler. I use Box.com. Um, I've used Dropbox. Um, I've received files from YouSendIt. I may even have sent a file via YouSendIt once. Um, but typically I use uh, some combination of Box and uh, Gobbler. Right, gotcha. It's Depending on what I'm uploading and to whom. 
Right, I got you. It's definitely a useful and thing. I know, Hans, do you find the same I've thing? Oh, sorry, go, go, go. Sorry, I've used Google as well, by the way. But the problem with Google is when you share a file on Google with somebody who doesn't have a Google account, Google tries to get them to sign up. Yeah, that's and not. And that's... Well, doesn't uh, everybody? They don't feel... Well, no, Box doesn't. Ah. And uh, that's why I like it, because uh, it just goes out and it's a clickable link and it works and everybody's happy and, it works and it's just easy. Ah, Hans, what are you using? Do you use any kind of cloud stuff? Because I'm guessing there must be projects that you're working on just from production for the uh, for the show, perhaps that uh, that need no, to be. We use we use our own server and just send the link, so that's easy. But I was um, um, thinking of did for me it was kind of strange. I don't what you think, you guys. I mean, you, have you ever heard of iCloud? Yes, that's the Apple thing, isn't it? Why isn't okay the logic stuff integrating in iCloud? And I know the answer. Oh, ah, okay. iCloud doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe uh, maybe the Gobbler kind of uh, um, integration is a precursor to them ditching that and using their back end instead because that would make a lot more sense if it yeah, does. But, uh, uh, guys, how does it work with the versioning? But it, it's still so that you need to have all my instruments and all my plugins to be able to load that file. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. And that is their business model. That's what I was going to say. Oh, come to. here we go. That's it. So, Gobbler One, the business model was about a, a subscription service where you pay for the storage. Gobbler Two is a subscription service where you play for the pay for the plugins so for instance that's a conduit for the 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 slate plugin subscription service that we've talked about previously uh, and i can see them really trying to push that particular angle now I, at this point in time i'm a little bit um hmm, i'm a little bit chin scratchy about if this business model is going to work I mean, we have discussed this at length on the show in the past, this whole the way the, the wider digital industry is working. Uh, so, you know, that's what Gobbler, I guess, are, are counting on, that more people are going to, that, that that will become the standard way of working. And that, uh, you know, if you've just got this one point of access, that they will kind of get there um, i mean but that's what everybody that's what everybody's trying to do isn't it they're trying to be the one point of access for everything so they can control and and monetize yeah. all aspects to it. it's what google are doing it's what apple have been doing it's what you know what everybody is trying to do basically so you know that seems to be the model how to, to be able to monopolize the free model right i mean with the free model i think what 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 happened to me is about the the beat hawk form for the ipad and i kept buying and buying and buying lots and lots of in-app sounds and stuff and i ended up paying like 60 70 euros for this ipad app and i was playing around with the uh, studio one free i don't know what's it called because it's prime and <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the persona and, and, and then uh, also a, 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 an in-app store showed up and and there was this uh, update oh i could upgrade to be able to use vst instruments but it was only working for the artist version but i think this could be a i think in the long run this could be a valid business model f for selling software or doing stuff is you know mm. get get the guys to use the cheap version and then you just upgrade and for me as a user that also seems to be fine because you know i get this huge updates with huge lots and lots of features and then the people like Prisoners they complain and say oh why are you reviewing and saying this update is so expensive and then I say well 
it might be cheap for somebody who needs all the extra sins and sounds and all that stuff. But if I just want a couple of features and or maybe need the bug fixes that are also included in your update, then I still need to pay the 200 or 150 euro update price. I would rather be able to pick and choose and I may even end up paying more. But I have the feeling that I'm just paying for the stuff that I really need. Like with the B-Talk, I just buy the sounds that I really like. I don't need the Philadelphia String Orchestra. I don't buy it. And uh, for me as a customer, it just seems to be a valid model. And I can see myself actually renting plugins and buying in-app instruments. What do you think, guys? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Rich, you're probably you know using most of this stuff in the field. I mean, it makes more sense for you to own and have them on a machine that you know works, that you don't have to worry about any kind of third-party surface to you know download it or whatever. But I mean, it's gonna it's gonna go that way. It seems to be. I mean, it's gonna be a completely complicated thing to administrate if you're you know either end of it, though. I suppose. Well, it facilitates being able to work in environments where they don't necessarily support what you've been using, for one thing. And whereas in the past. 20 years, you'd basically download their demo version and run it for free for the two weeks you needed it, assuming it didn't make some sort of noise burst in the middle of doing that. Um, you now would rent the thing for a day or a two or a week or whatever, and you'd use it until you no longer were working in this remote environment that doesn't support all of your stuff. Yeah, I guess. And, and so it, at the very least, it does that. And then there's the, you know, that moment that Hans describes where you get to the middle of working in something and the app offers you an option for a solution to something you're looking at. And you go, yeah, all right, for, you know, 15 bucks, I'll do that, you know, or what have you. And uh, I could see that. Yeah, it, it's scary, though. You could get to the point where it actually is analyzing the kind of musical content you're making and makes purchase suggestions in the same way that Google in the, in the same way that Google does you know contextual ads you have contextual plugins so if you're working on I don't know a banging techno beat it goes oh by the way I've detected you're working at 136 BPM and you've got a four on the floor kind of kick and there's a sync a track called synth bass maybe you need you know product A or product B rather than X Y or Z it's going to happen isn't it will suggest for me it would be Melodyne <laughs> Not Eric, should you be using Melodyne? <laughs> that it, but it, I mean, you know, inevitably, as all of the the all of technology and all the databasing that goes with any kind of digital products is, you know, it's half of it is about customer acquisition and servicing them properly. So therefore, this is inevitable. Surely, uh, with that thought, um, it's probably a word, time for a word from our sponsors who don't do that kind of thing. I'm sure, but uh, let's just take a listen and see what uh, what they've got to talk to us about. Oops, that's not the button I meant to press. This is the button I meant to press. Let's see if it actually will now play. Go on. Hold on, I'll have to start that again. There we go. There we go. Break Tweaker, as we know, it's been out for a little while, designed, co-designed with uh, BT. Break Tweaker's not just a drum machine, it's a drum machine sculpting, beat sequencing environment that blurs the line between rhythm and melody and gives your beats evolving depth that you can kind of run over time, automate all these multiple parameters. You can use rhythmic slicing to drive everything from pitch melodic lines to rhythmic overtures. Top it all off with uh, a massive drum sample library and uh, extra packs that you can also buy as well. I don't think they're in app though. Um, BT and Isotope have kind of brought you 
a whole bunch of stuff. You can explore a whole new era of rhythmic possibilities with this forward-thinking, forward-sounding instrument, and you get access to all these kind of little uh, micro-machines, micro-tweaking, really, really interesting. And it's also on sale at the moment, so a limited time only on sale through September 30th. Uh, it's usually 249 It's now 149 bucks. So if you want to check it out, there's also a 10-day free demo, isotope.com forward slash break tweaker. And um, we did have a competition from last week, uh, which was to win Trash 2 and we have a winner from that uh, we want to say uh, congratulations to a chap called Neil Barbu uh, with the Twitter handle at Neil Boards uh, he tweeted the hashtag Ultimate Distortion Trash 2 to Sonic State and Sonic and Isotope Inc and uh, he says Nick you always make my day watching the past podcast that's entirely why I, I picked you no it wasn't it was all a random thing but uh, thanks very much for those kind <laughs> words so if you want to get in touch that's uh, at Neil Boards get in touch and the Isotope Fairy will uh, give you a copy a full working copy of Trash 2 but this week uh, as I say we're going to do a competition with uh, Isotope Break Tweaker basically what you need to do is tweet the hashtag ultimate beats and the hashtag break tweaker to at sonic state and at isotope inc that's that bit that you've highlighted if you're watching the video uh, version if you're listening on um, mp3 the hashtag ultimate beats and the hashtag break tweaker to at sonic state and at isotope inc and we'll pick a winner next week uh, using our fantastically complicated uh, random supercomputer random number winner thing so uh please do enter and remember you've got until probably about 1 p.m uh next wednesday so that's it we want to say thank you very much to isotope for sponsoring the show uh right what's next anything that anybody oh gaz do you want to should we yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. come on then here we go right this is a li- as you know gaz has been working on uh quite a big project recently mm. and this is uh, an excerpt of you this playing world ex- world a world exclusive, exclusive in yeah, fact this is the first time after the show that it's will have ever be seen right okay and i i will explain that um we've pixelated this is you guys playing uh, <laughs> a, a, a custom score to the film holy mountain uh, at green man festival a couple of weeks back um we've had to pixel it out because because it's obviously it's filmed by andy our, our partner uh, my yeah, partner here did so, a brilliant job so let's see what it's got to offer Is that an octave kitten? Yeah. Go Gaz. You're in character there. That's the pixel outed film. <laughs> Great theremin face, Gaz. Awesome. That looks like a hell of a lot of fun and a massive project. I mean, how much music did you have to actually create for that? Yeah, it runs to nearly two hours, just under two hours by about four minutes, the whole score. Yeah. Wow. All bespoke music. Um, Sounds like a lot of work. Oh, it was a load of work. I mean, most of my summer, it just dominated my summer, really. Um, 
and you know for a festival appearance essentially that was it (laughs) (laughs) um but but Maybe we'll do it again. But certainly the Asteroid Deluxe, that is, by the way, that's the name of the group, uh, is going to get very busy. Uh, we got, we want to just, uh, we, you know, it's very motivated to kind of recreate yeah. like a, a psychedelic music maybe from the past a little bit. Um, and it's a great opportunity to use lots of sort of synths and stuff, you know. And, uh, and in fact, I'm really glad you do this little feature because I do have a question now. I was using the theremini that you saw there which i'll continue to use uh, i'd noticed in a rehearsal i'd accidentally um you my my bass headstock had gone into the theremin sort of pickup field and i oh, I thought, oh hey that's cool and then didn't really think about it and then during the clip you were just watching then i i'd, I'd sort of i was using the the system one i had like this kind of drone thing on on the system one and using the hold button to latch it. And I needed to unlatch it. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, no, I don't want the, I don't want to leave that texture of the theremin. <laughs> so I thought, ah, ah, use the bass. Use the head of the bass. Yeah, but it was a big reach to try and get to the synth. <laughs> uh, and I didn't, honestly, I, it wasn't at all contrived. It was only afterwards watching it on the clip. It's like, ooh. That worked out all right. Because I'd actually put the theremin in the middle of the stage, not to put it in the middle of the stage, but just, just to kind of keep it away from... I've been having real trouble with with it. Interference, kind of, I'd imagine, it, yeah. Yeah. I think So I'd managed to find this big piece of space on the stage that uh, <laughs> just happened to be in the middle of the stage. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. Um but, so, uh, but what I mean, yeah. one of the things that I was interested in the challenges of because I mean, soundtrack work seems to you know Tara Bush has been doing it. I know that uh, Will Gregory's done a lot of this stuff where you create a kind of a musical entity to play along with either a, a, a custom picture or an existing film soundtrack, and these kind of replacement. I know uh, uh, Adrian Utley and Will Will Gregory did a whole thing yeah. for the Joan of Arc, which Joan is Arc. a silent film, so it's a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, what are the legal implications doing that? I would ask. Well, that's well, a good question. That's why we pixelated it out. <laughs> no, I see. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, normally, I mean, I, I, I played for a year or so in uh, a London-based band called Minima, who specialise in playing to, uh, like, generally silent films and certainly films that are outside of copyright. Uh, the Holy Mountain is a film that's got a fantastic soundtrack anyway, and legally has been in incredibly dubious waters for years due to it being an Alan Klein production. Alan Klein, famously the man who split the Beatles up in a way. That's another story. Uh, <laughs> so legally, yeah, there's a kind of, there's a kind of hazy issue there. Gray, but, gray area. Yeah. Is it a gray area but, or is it, is it something that's not been prosecuted? <laughs> It's uh, not been tested yet. But, but okay, yeah. yeah the, <laughs> the, write, the writing approach, I think, for this has been really interesting because we did it in a in a way that um, we all got together and watched the film first, and then we all went away and prepared some ideas. Then, during the writing sessions, we uh, very democratically, four members, each member, we just went around in turn, uh, would present an idea and then we developed that idea into a piece but crucially we didn't 
do it with any scenes in mind. And in fact, we made a, a, a special kind of decision that that we wouldn't write music for scenes that we would just write music that was inspired by the by what we'd seen by the an overall flavor an overall kind of feeling for it and and these sessions were very prolific and super fun and we ended up with 37 pieces like written written pieces of music again none of that was specific to any scene at all and this then created quite an interesting thing because um we went through well in fact andy the guitarist did it initially and did a terrific job of just watching the film and then just just trying all the different elements out the, the different songs oh, okay so you and, just put and see which fit and, and find finding the best the best fit for it and for anybody who's worked making music to image it's amazing how you can make pretty much any music work or you can see things on the screen that relates to the music in some sort of, um, you know, uh, coincidental right. or, uh, you know, it's, uh, but, but, but in this particular case, it, it, it proved to be really, really interesting. So we could tailor the length of the song to fit the scene. And we did have kind of definite ideas where we wanted uh, scene, the music to change. Um, but I think by not, slavishly writing the music to the scene for i think made it uh, made it a lot more possible right. to do it um in you know relatively few complete rehearsals and that kind right. of thing well, um good. yeah but uh but i was going to just come to one quick question and is that the keyboards that i was using i was using the, the roland system one and it's also using the waldorf strike vet both of which don't belong to me <laughs> um, and uh, I've been returned now. So the synths that I've used have gone and I'm now looking to essentially consolidate both of those synths into a single entity and something that looked pretty cool. And I started realizing oh, it's not quite so easy, especially if you wanted to get um, the strike for sounds. Um, but then it, it, it just occurred to me that the Studio Logic Sledge 2.0 has got sample inputs. Yeah, so that, could might, it, that might I, be I, So I could sample the the string, the kind of, uh, to get the um, virtual string sounds. Uh, and that's the question I wanted to put to people. What do they think? Do they think that the Sledge is a good, would be a good choice for that kind of role? So... <laughs> Uh, I think uh, Hans is holding up there. Um, uh, what's that? That's the I can't remember what it's called. Ah, uh, uh, no, GeForce. GeForce. Virtual uh, string machine. Virtual I, string it's, machine. A, it's a it's a beauty, but I've got an absolute no computers on 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 stage okay. rule. Okay, no, with no, no tolerance con no. against computers. I see. <laughs> okay, but but, but, but no tolerance. A, a mild tolerance to digital devices. <laughs> gotcha. All right. You uh, know Rick, that the, the Ronin was also a computer, right? Yeah, well, they all are, really, you know, most of them. Uh, Rich, have you, I mean, you've done a lot of work on soundtracks over the years. Is there a session, you know, from what Gaz was talking about, where there's this sort of creative output, you know, where somebody's playing to the picture? Is that how it te has tend to work in your instance, or has it been much more structured and kind of built around specific themes and trying to work them in and that sort of stuff? Not so much playing to picture, but playing to existing musical frameworks. So uh, if you're asking me for a, an exciting one, for the uh, 
movie Coming to America, we did a bunch of uh, percussion section with uh, Luis Conti, Alex Acuna, and Paulino da Costa. Nice. At, uh, par- at Paramount. That was one of the most exciting days of music of my life, <laughs> watching those guys play together. Wow. And they were playing to uh, a framework that we had created out of some performances by Baba Olatunji that Niall had recorded before I got there. And um, the performances were just, there's video. I actually have somewhere a video of some of this and it's just mind boggling how great these guys were and how cool they were. And uh, I just loved, it was one of my favorites. So, Oh, nice. I rarely have favorites, but there, there's that, one right that's there. That's one right there. I know. Hans, have you done any stuff to picture? Um, and how do you tend to approach that? I did this very, very long time ago for some industrial, whatever, videos. I, I'm not sure I ever saw the video, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so they just needed some background music. No, I never never got beyond that stage. So I did a couple of tracks as background music for some commercial videos. But that's it. I must I must say when I was uh when I was doing um a lot of remixes and what have you you know that occasionally you get sort of offers of working to picture and that my experience of working to picture in the traditional sense well in the non-collaborative sense when you're sitting there with a computer screen and a video and you're trying to get things to match because you know you think that everything has to have hit points and what have you which generally you know one one does for certainly for music beds and and you know for certain things in films it's indescribably complicated and just an absolutely enormous amount of work. So I've always kind of shied away from it since. And I've worked on a few projects and they've always been way more labor intensive than making a record for me. And so I I kind of tend to chicken out of that kind of stuff. I mean, I have done some things to picture and I try to, uh, um, but you know, in terms of a whole film or maybe a short animation or something, you know, like, like a a logo, (laughs) I might, but that's a yeah. But there's that famous um, um, story of of how Vangelis was supposed to have uh, um, improvised the whole of Chariots of Fire sort of main themes in one go, and then just gone back and tinkered with it, and that was that. You know, which is obviously the if you can come up with those sort of things flowing from your fingers, that's the way to work because then it's less less work, I guess, and then uh, you know you don't have to. But as with all of these kind of shifting projects, they tend to move afterwards. If you're working with a director, then it's more difficult than in your as in your case, Gaz, I suppose, you know, it's done, so he has no input, so you don't have to worry about what he thinks. <laughs> yeah. I have uh, two friends of mine are actually doing um, a lot of music work for sound, for, for movies and TV series. And uh, they say, well, we've got so much material by now. So we always, we have this whole huge bag of melodies and themes and stuff we already did you know, over the many, many years we're in this business. And so they have a lot of, you know, it's, I, I don't think they compose every piece of music in a movie is not written specifically for that movie, but has been lying around, been written for something else, not been used there. So I think in, in, in the professional world, these guys, they have a whole palette of stuff they already produce or know how they, you know, sitting in somewhere in a drawer or something right. on a hard drive. Yeah. And so yeah. that's, that's how they... They told me that's how they work. They do write for specific scenes, some some of the stuff, but a, a whole lot of stuff has already been recorded or been written and or made to fit 
uh, and uh, it's not been done to the music. Maybe on a high scale Hollywood, um, I, I think Hans Zimmer, he probably uh, yeah. he's got so, some old melodies lying around somewhere and that might just fit <laughs> the new Terminator. Who knows? <laughs> I, 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 I have to say, Say though, with our with our film, I was very jealous of the film. I was really jealous of the film, and that sort of because uh, we worked really hard on this. And we did you see? We were all in really lovely outfits. <laughs> yeah, yeah the jobs are great. I was looking at the audience, and like the screen was like kind of above us. I was looking at the audience. Everyone is so transfixed on the film. You know, no one was looking at us at all. And we were. <laughs> We were, we put our fineries on and everyone was just, <laughs> but I mean the film, the Holy Mountain, you know, it's a it's, visual feast. It's a very oh, yeah. yeah, and people were, um, you know, some people were quite. In fact, this girl apprehended me the next day. She's a friend, and we encouraged her to come. She came to support us or whatever, and uh, she was in a really bad mood with me because of the things that she'd been subjected to through that film. It's quite extreme. How can I, I can't unsee those things. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Quite a controversial movie. Speaking of those things, everybody go out and see it. Well, no, don't go out and see it. Find a way of watching it. Over 21. I would recommend. (laughs) Over 41. I would recommend. (laughs) Excellent. Well, I'm glad we got to see that, and uh, maybe there'll be more of it in the future. Uh, we've got a few uh, announcements just come in. The first thing is, uh, actually, Reactor 6 has just dropped. Uh, they did yeah. uh, call us yesterday to say uh, it might be on, um, but I'm not sure when, but it has. It went a bit early. So this is quite an interesting thing. I'm actually Reactor 6. Uh, Reactor, I mean, uh, for, in terms of native instruments, own development is you know a, a major core of it, and they've, they've introduced quite a lot of new features here. Um, I think one of the main things is blocks which are predefined kind of modules in a kind of in a, in, in the true euro accents you know you can you can grab things and pop them in and, and then patch them together without having to build them from the component up i don't know um non eric do you do, do you have much um experience with reactor i we did review it some time back but it's the sort of thing mm. that i'd love to get into but i look at it and i just think sometime but yeah it's a lot of work. I mean, i'm looking at it right now and it's well, the idea of those, those modules or blocks that seems to be quite attractive because um, it's, I mean, it's a real, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a core product from Native Instruments, the core that drove the huge success initially. And, but we haven't seen lots of synthesizer news from, from Native Instruments recently. So this is a bit, something big for, for Native, I think. I think it's, a, it's part of their heritage. It's part of their of them being native instruments. It's their core technology in many ways, isn't it? Yeah, and and they've used Reactor to to prototype lots of the other virtual instruments and effects. I think for the company, it's a very important product. I don't think it's it's a big uh, revenue driver for them. I don't think so. I don't think they sell that many of them. But I think it's an important product for native instruments. And if, if they can get the usability up and maybe sort of kind of transform that into a more like a virtual modular system, 
for the Mac and the PC that could be uh, become interesting. We do, however, remember that many, many versions had serious reliability problems. So we need to look at that. <laughs> what yeah. happened in Rich? No, that's true. I uh, know, Rich. I don't know if you have you tried out any of that. There's the the Monarch, and then there's uh, I can't remember the name. Re- is it Razor? Was another one. Um, there, there's yep. a really good additive one. The Monarch. The um, the oh gosh, I'm trying to remember the mouth, the finger. Those are all things that uh, created in do you use any of those kind of pre-built in Reactor type compiled things yourself? I mean, it's similar to the contact kind of concept. Oh, right. Okay. All of them, pretty much. I like it. And uh, <laughs> and to, to uh, buttress what Hans was just saying, this is basically their development platform that they turned into a product, from what I can tell. I mean, nobody ever told me that, but that's just the way it looks to me, that this is their development area. And they said, well, what? Why not just put it out there and let people develop you know, for this, for this particular area, you know, for reactor. And so people have done so, and there's a lot of really interesting creative work being done there. And I do believe some colleges offer reactor programming as a part of their curriculum. I, I've met young people who seem to be very savvy in this whole, you know, reactor creation world. And I think it's wonderful. It reminds me of my days with TurboSynth. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Oh, look, big thumbs up from non Eric. It's tied around somewhere. There's a whole, there's a whole show. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's very similar in many ways to Max MSP. You know, those uh, they're two kind of very similar systems, except Max MSP is not quite so skinnable and perhaps not as scalable. But it's a very similar kind of uh, principle, you know, these two, because you, 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 in many music technology courses, people learn Max MSP just to kind of get under the hood of DSP and understand the way MIDI works and that sort of thing. So, I mean, I guess if they, I mean, this, this provides the perfect premium platform for in-app purchases, you know, buying those various different modules and pre-made blocks. And maybe we'll see a whole development of that whole market. I mean, I haven't read the full press release because oh. it only really just came through. So I'm guessing it might well be the case they use both reactor and contact extensively as that as development platforms for people uh, whose software quite often they end up buying and giving away but in any case um uh and one of those was actually something i sent you today which is an which is uh the gamelan thing yeah which is let me see i've got that here oh rich you've muted oh <laughs> You're so engaged. Rich is muted. Oh. I don't know. I'm sorry. That's all right. It makes extensive use of the the scripting, like really extensive use of the scripting in contact. And this whole area has sort of turned contact, which is essentially a sampler, into a very, very um, vibrant synth platform of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. Albeit sample-based in many areas, but... The, the point is, there's a lot you can do in there. And this particular instrument really caught my eye uh, in their promo for it. And, yeah. Uh, th- well, this is this is the, uh, the stu- uh, what are they called? I'm sorry, I haven't got that. It's the uh, Sample Logic. And it's uh, it's actually on pre-order now. It's 100 bucks off. Uh, it's going to be released on the 15th of September, I believe. And there's, I mean, it's really, you know... I, I, this sort of project again is very similar to the notion of these kind of huge album projects. I mean, they 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 used Skywalker Sound and they got all these kind of experts in with beautiful uh, gamelan instruments and created 
what is it? It's three, uh, 421 atmospheres, 36, you know, I mean, there's a whole bunch, 14 gigs of content. And some of the sounds in these demos are really impressive. In fact, there's one here from um, Houston Singletary. I don't know how much of this is Gamelan. It's all the program. It's just it doesn't all sound like a bunch of metal things you're banging on. I'll tell you that off there, but... but- a lot, a lot of really interesting textures that came out of the thing. Like they're basically using the waveforms as a as a jumping point for a synthesis platform that allows an enormous amount of uh, real time variation and enormous amount of controllable, if you may, controllable randomization. If yeah, such a thing yeah, 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 yeah. I've got you. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Tr- I mean, if someone were to say. I've got a 14 gigabyte Gamelan library. It's perhaps not the first thing you would immediately kind of run to, but because of the harmonic richness, there's uh, a lot going on. I, I saw you smirk there, Mr. Non-Eric. <laughs> <laughs> what sample library have you bought recently, apart from your Beat Hawks, just out of interest? Nothing. Nothing. Well, that's... No, I mean... <laughs> you the, see, my logic comes with 60, 80 gigs of sounds. I'm... <laughs> I have the I have the all you can eat or all you can play uh, solution here. <laughs> it's hard to know. It's hard to know where to start when you've got that much choice, though, isn't it? That's the that's the, the issue you get. Yeah, it's men- basically most of the stuff is old stuff. So I mean, some lots of old Apple loops, yeah. some old yeah. X twenty four stuff. I mean, but uh, sounds don't really get that old, do they? I mean, I'm still using some of my samples from the nineties. You know, because a good kick drum is a good, good kick drum, right? Yeah, absolutely. What's well, interesting, there was uh, on, uh, I noticed that uh, Howard Scar um, posted a quote from Suit and Tie Guy we had last week, uh, uh, which went along something that there are no, what is a new sound? I don't, I'm not interested in new sounds. I'm only interested in good sounds. And that's kind of essentially the thread yeah. of what, you know, what you just said there, really. So yeah. looks kind of good though, guys, <clears throat> doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, if we look, are we talking about, oh, can we talk Either. about the actor? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. because so it's so interesting what they're doing, reacting to the rising modular, you know, hardware, that they've had to kind of look at it and just go, right, let's rebrand, or not rebrand, let's remarket reactor in a way that actually, if we can establish it as the de facto software equivalent of your modular rack make it work like a modular rack because they've got this thing now um like wires which so a little bit like reason yeah, yeah, yeah. For, and the GUIs know, they really look like the like GUI. seems, it's like modules yeah, yeah and absolutely. they've got three so they've got three categories they've got the bento box blocks which uh cut the core components of a modular synth boutique blocks inspired by custom hardware and designed for advanced sound shaping digilock blocks can be used to create complex rhythms process notes and provide structure and patches and also the all-star blocks which are single rack style components of native instrument synths such as rounds and monic so you can see what they're doing you can see what they're doing it's a clever yeah. very clever move of theirs essentially it, it's not anything different from what it's always been it's just sort of skinning it in such a way and repurposing it to you know take that role and i'm Skin, sure I think skinning is the right word yes yeah yeah, yeah. So skinning it a little bit like logic is doing you know with you know that the, you think it's an instrument but basically it's a it's an ultra beat re, re, with a new skin right. that's basically here right 
That makes sense. But I mean, I guess for something like this, what no, would really no, no. But what what would really make sense is if they figured a way to take this and integrate it so that therefore there was some kind of bright account box which gave you CV control, whatever it may be, so that you could then just basically yeah. go between the two and it didn't really matter whether it was hardware or software, whatever. That's, it doesn't really matter at all. I think that's got to be the next step, hasn't watch it? Watch what they do next. Yeah, absolutely. This is planting the seeds for that unquestionably. And I think... Because Roland have done it, haven't they? You know, Roland have done it. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And I think it looks like, you know, they're going to do it on a way that's going to... That's an amazing link-up, that is. I think it's a very clever move on it, and Native Instruments' part, I think, this is. And quite an obvious one, retrospectively, when you think about it. Could um, I think it's going to be successful. Could it be possible, actually? I mean, could it be possible? I mean, they've done such a good job on Tractor with all their hardware and the machine hardware. Could it be that we have a reactor hardware, maybe? I think that's not a not not an unreasonable thought there. Actually, I don't know. But that 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 appeals. I don't know that. I know you haven't got gone into the modular world yet. You've got, um, but you've got your uh, Artoria there, Rich. Um, the the, the microbrew. Can you? But you could imagine that this could actually this could have legs. This kind of approach, right? Yeah, I could see Native Instruments uh, going into the hardware business to support this They're sort already of thing. In the business, well, I mean, yes, furthering yeah. their furthering their. Yes. <laughs> That's what that was my thinking because that's how they really made it big time. Not by just only the software, but they were the first company to really get this, you know, the combination happening. You know, the software, the machine, the software, the hardware, <coughs> cool. Tractor, cool, the software, yeah. hardware, uh, the the guitar rig, the software, the hardware. This combination and that made them a lot of money because we all know that people are paying for hardware where they steal software. So I can see. I mean, this could be a viable business for them. Imagine this would be a competitor to the Dupfer system, you know, the yeah. reactor system, and it would be hardware. Maybe we have little tiny uh, patch cables as well, but it's all, you know, all done in maybe like the Roland uh, Roland system where there's actually it's a digital module, but it looks and feels like a hardware module in a rack. I've just got to interrupt this broadcast because uh, um, Sonic uh, no, Sonic 250 in the sp- has created a game called Sonic Talk Bingo, <laughs> where uh, you can you, you fill in squares every time uh, that one of these is mentioned. Rich muted, Nick cursing, pulse with modulation, uh, and then you can. I don't know what the prize is. What a fantastic! What is this? this is called. Uh, it's called bullshitbingo.net, but somebody's actually created a uh, an actual game with various <laughs> phrases that you can obviously enter. I don't know what happens if you win. You click on mark each block when you see or hear uh, these words and phrases. When you get five blocks, you can you can stand up and shout <laughs> bingo or play as a drinking game for every block. What a fantastic idea! Amazing. That is awesome. I think uh, I think th- there obviously needs to be a few more squares filled in. Well, perhaps uh, the chat room can help with. It. I don't know how that's edited, but Sonic Two Fifty. Uh, uh, what a brilliant idea! You are truly <laughs> Sonic Two Fifty. <laughs> Sonic Two Fifty in the chat room. He's called Sonic oh, underscore cool. Sonic Talk. I, I don't know if he did it or whether he actually. Uh, let me see. I can find it. This that uh, no, it's here, isn't it? That's the button I need to press. The the link, and I need to scroll down so you can see the link, which is a massive link there so i don't know whether that's oh no i think it's actually i think what it actually does is uh 
you put the words in the the URL and then it creates the game for you. What a fantastic... That is one of the most awesome things that's ever happened from the chat room. See, this is why having a live broadcast and having a chat room is such an awesome thing. It is. No, no, I, I'm guessing that's not happened to you yet. Maybe that, I, I guess no, German, German well, words are a bit... The words, analog, digital yeah. versus digital, is better quality. Summing, yeah. <laughs> DAW sounds. I guess German words are a bit longer, so you might need a, bit, a yeah. bigger grid. But uh, apart from that, perfect. <laughs> That's excellent. Um, this seems like a fairly good time to. I'll, I will definitely put the link in the show notes. I'm just going to uh, copy and paste that because that's that is totally awesome. Uh, on a slightly less uh, awesome note, I just wanted to uh, mention that uh, if you're in the Bath, Bristol area, there's a guy called DJ Derek who's a legendary oh. ska DJ, uh, reggae DJ. I have spent many fantastic nights uh, at his Me events. Too. He's a real. He, he started off as an accountant for Cadbury's Chocolate and just basically decided he wanted kick it all in and play reggae. And he's a really big part of the uh, Caribbean community in St. Paul's in Bristol. And he's gone missing. He's been missing for eight weeks and uh, people are desperate to find him. So if you get, if you've seen him or you know anything about it, do, do get in touch with the local cops. Cause I think um, this is obviously UK and specifically West country thing last seen in Thornbury. So uh, please do. Um, he's a, a great asset to the community. Um, but he uh, And he's been, he's been sadly missed, but I think on that, note i won't end on that note but i just wanted to pop that in there because i know that uh lee camp who's a bristol listener wanted me to mention it and i think that's a, a very worthy thing i was wondering if there's any other things in the shorts uh, i think that's probably about ti- all we've got time for today i want to say thank you f- so much to everybody it's been a great fun show slightly free form as we come out of the summer you see the thing is that if all of this stuff had happened before the show then we could have talked about it in more depth well we did a pretty good job anyway but there's also the apple announcement today which i'm guessing is a new phone or something i mean who cares really to be honest it's not, it's not <laughs> something that that really greatly affects my world at the moment um but there's there's going to be more but as we come out of the summer the topics will be uh, increasing uh, thanks very much also to rich for that gamelang one which i managed to just about get in there in a kind of linking sort of non-linking fashion but while you're there rich i'll say thank you and uh, uh, very much for joining us this week again my pleasure. I, I set it up. I served it up to you. I just you like, did. I held yeah. the ball in my hand and said, smack it, Nick. <laughs> yeah. And we did. We managed to tie it all together. Uh, but thank you very much anyway, Rich, for joining us. Uh, been a real pleasure to have you. And also, uh, Mr. Non-Eric. Oh, yes. There he is. No, where is he? That's number three. Yeah, I need is. to press. Non-Eric, uh, musotalk.de. You've got to check out what they do. Uh, German language only, but very much uh, uh, music technology and... Uh, Gets all the hot stuff. We haven't done anything That's on Logic. To, but anyway, have you, what have you got coming up that people should look out for? Ah, yes. The review. The review. Okay. And, I'll and be... then we're doing something on, on mixing and mastering with headphones. I think it's a big, big topic these days. I mean, lots of even professionals need to do some work on the road and uh, looking you know, for a way to actually monitor, master, mix on headphones. We just did a review on the new Biodynamic DT1770 Pro, a new headphone, uh, and very, very good. A little bit expensive, around five or six hundred euros but we will be talking at length about that subject next week or the ah, week okay, cool. have you checked the um blue uh mofi mofis out no they're worth checking out we did a kind of group okay. review on there and they they were pretty impressive too in terms of a mix 
Gaz, oh, look, Gaz is sporting a pair right now, and he hasn't pulled the cable oh. out. He hasn't pulled the cable out, which is impressive. Uh, I, I do do it, though. It's still, that is my big criticism. So the cable comes out. Well, it's either break the cable or pull it out. So I suppose mm. pull it out is probably better unless you're in the middle of, uh, say, I don't know, like a live um, performance <clears> on <throat> the theremin. Also, also, with the blue headphones, remember to take them off your head before powering down any audio interfaces because there's a hell of a pop sometimes. Ah, okay, yeah, that's a good point. And, and Gaz, also, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, been mm. a pleasure. Uh, stay tuned if you want to see Gaz yeah. is going to be appearing in uh, a couple of uh, other videos that we've got coming out. Yes, and I reckon that Launchpad Pro is a classic. I'm really pleased with that review, so I'm hoping that uh, that will... Um... I don't mess up the edit. <laughs> yes, I'm well. I'm no pressure that. there, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Because that was... Uh, I stayed up till five in the morning the night before filming that. That's so... dedication for you. Yes. So funny. Ah! Just pulled it out. Oh, anyway, anyway, guys, thank you very much uh, for joining <laughs> us, and thank you, uh, oh, Mr. Yeah. not Eric. Thank you for and, pl- oh, thank you. I was just going to say thank you for playing the Astro Deluxe clip. You know. That's no and problem. Also, yeah, let me just put a plug for Astro Deluxe for all you Facebookers out there. Can you like us on Facebook, please? Ooh, actually, oh yes, no, do that. And I have an announcement. I have an announcement. Okay, for all the people in Berlin who organise gigs, you should check out. <laughs> gas project if you think there's a valid place here where he can perform this great masterpiece ah, there's gotta be a Berlin yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. good call That's good call a place for you here Oh, there was one more thing. Um, I don't know if you, Roly, the makers of the Seaboard, which is uh, sort of quite a futuristic keyboard, have a big announcement today, uh, 8.30. Uh, I think they're kind of announcing a sort of a, a new model in their range of uh, controllers, more affordable. I can't say too much more about that because I think the embargo is 8.30. But there's a live stream at roly.com, which is uh, R-O-L-I.com from about 8.30. So if you're interested to see what's going on there. Oh, what's that, guys? Yeah, there's, there's a little, can I just give a little heads up? For this, Zoodles. Zoodles is taking place on Sunday. It's uh, it's free entry, in, and that's in a zoo cafe between 12 and 4 p.m. Zoo cafe, New Newland Avenue in in Hull, I believe. Um, and it's uh, bring a synth, drum machine, or any noise-making contraption, and join Square Waves for an afternoon of improvised electronic music. So uh. that's called Z- Zoodles, and uh, somebody contacted me over Twitter to mention that. I, I just think it's in Hull, I think. <laughs> they should find that's out where the, it is. That's in the UK. <laughs> I'm sure if you do a search for Yoodles, it, Zoodles, it'll probably uh, Zoodles. show Zoodles, yeah. Right, okay. Sounds I, great. That feels like about the time that we need to stop. Just one more mention, if you didn't get, get the details of the uh, competition, uh Win Isotope Break Tweaker, hashtag Ultimate Beats, hashtag Break Tweaker to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And we'll announce a winner next week. That's it for this week. Thank you very much, everybody. Uh, it's a wrap. I'm going to fade to black and we'll sail off into the sun down. <laughs>